Open to Romans chapter 8. The one thing I'm enjoying about the way we're doing the studies, especially right now, being Sunday morning and Thursday nights, being able to talk about Romans in different capacities, is there is so much here. It gives me a little bit of an opportunity to talk about it a little bit more. Um, and every time I just look through these things, there's so much richness that is in these passages and so much importance that, once again, we need to grasp hold of these things. Last week, we talked about how there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We talked about now being something that is present something that has been fulfilled because of what Jesus has done, and yet we're waiting for his return, but that condemnation is no longer in us right now. And we talked about what it means to be in Christ himself. We're going to pick up in verse 5. And right now let's read verses 5 through 8. Those who live... According to the flesh, remember sinful nature, I believe, is an inaccurate translation. We're not bipolar natures. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh and what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The mind of the flesh is hostile. The sinful mind is hostile, hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. The flesh are the things that gratify the the temporary, the visible and the temporary. The, the flesh is talking about those things that are indeed temporary. It's not talking about the eternal things. It's not talking about an eternal perspective. It's talking about what we see, our senses feel, as if we were animals, as if we just lived in this life as animals and that was it. Well, the flesh, it cannot please God. It has a mind that is separated from those things that are of God. The flesh is the man living on the earthly material level, divorced from any contact with the spiritual. This is implied in Jesus' statement to Nicodemus that that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit that there has to be an awakening to the spiritual realm. Otherwise, all we are is living in the natural realm. The majority of people live in the natural realm. They are divorced from the working of God's spirit in, his, in their lives. Although the spirit is calling out to people, trying to reach them, they are blind to see, they are deaf to hear, they are unable to understand with their hearts. It is something beyond their scope unless God enables them and quickens them to be able to understand. Jesus would say, he who has ears, let him hear. How is it that you have eyes but you don't see? 
You have hearts, but you don't understand because they were living according to the flesh. They were living in that natural plane. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's amazing how a person will scoff at things that are sacred to us. And they think, oh, you're foolish. The death of Christ, how silly. And that's why when you have a movie like The Passion that came out years ago, some would sit there and weep and some would be there disgusted. Depending on where they were, if they had understanding of what was happening, they would be moved. If they were blind to it, ah, this is just gory, it, it means nothing, it's a br brutal movie, what's this about? They don't understand. They don't have insight into what's really going on. And Paul is telling us just this diversity that takes place with those who are having their minds set on the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, their minds are set on spiritual things. And, and we are to have our minds set on the spiritual things and not just on the things of the flesh. We are to set our affections above in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly or your earthly body, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. You were living according to the flesh. These were all the characteristics of the flesh, the natural tendencies that you gave into, the natural cravings that you gave into, that you partook of. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices. That's the flesh. We have taken off the flesh. We have put it to death. We have recognized the death that is our flesh if we identify with Jesus' death on the cross. And we talked about that earlier. He says in verse 9, You, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. We talked about this to some length Sunday. We talked about what it means to dwell, how the Spirit of God dwelling is making his home within you. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the the contrast, you used to be that way, but now, you now walk in these things. You, however, don't live according to that way. You have been bought with a price. Your life is now a life that is connected by faith in the Son of God who loves you and gave himself for you. And it's really important that we understand where our life is and how it is that we
can enjoy and partake and live this spiritual life. Because we need to recognize the battle that is taking place within us. Verse 11, it says, or verse 10, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. There is a battle that's going on. And this spiritual life that he's talking about, it takes perseverance. We have to move forward in it. We have to labor in it. I love Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 9. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his flesh, from that flesh will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And then he goes on and he says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So here he's talking about the, the flesh and the spirit. And if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption, destruction. But if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life. And earlier it said, and peace. And then he says, and don't grow weary in doing what is good. Why did he write that? Because we grow weary in doing what is good. Because we falter. Because our minds and our bodies give in. And we have to recognize that we are in a battle. We are fighting. And the fight is very important. Verse 13. Or verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You are in a battle and there is an obligation. Whose sin are we to put to death? It's our own. You can't put someone else's sin to death. And you see, Christianity has a mean streak in it. You ladies should get this idea, mean streak from the, the mean girls that Beth talked about. But there is a mean streak in Christianity that is very violent and is very powerful but it is not towards others, it is directed towards ourself. John Owens in his 
little writing, The Mortification of Sin. It was written back in the 17th century. It's just like a little 85-page booklet. In it, he says, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin. And it's important that we recognize that when it says there in verse 15, put to death, it is be putting to death. It's not you do it one time. It is something that you are constantly doing. You are constantly putting this to death. And if you are not constantly putting sin to death, sin will kill you. This is a struggle. This is a battle. Killing is not a nice word. There's no way you can flower it up. It was a sweet killing. No, it, it doesn't work. It, it, killing is killing. It is violent. And this death is something we have to administer. But we don't administer it to others. We administer it to our flesh. Our flesh is our biggest enemy. You realize that Satan doesn't even appear in the book of Romans until chapter 16. He's not even a part of the conversation until chapter 16. We're just dealing all that we've talked about with the flesh. And so instead of worrying about Satan, I don't need to worry about Satan. I need to worry about Sam. Sam gives me more problems than Satan does. I can vouch for that. And unless I recognize that, if I put the blame somewhere else and don't take it on myself, then I'm not recognizing what it is that's taking place. You see, until we believe that this life is war, that this is a battle, that the stakes are our very souls, then we will probably only play at Christianity and never take it seriously. It'll just be something that we play at until it gets too difficult. And then Jesus' parable about the sower and the seed comes into play when the cares and the, the things of this world become too difficult, we give up. I, I can't, I'm going to toss in the towel. Why? Because this is war. This is battle. You know, when you're training for battle, your senses are keen and aware. I was watching the military channel. I love that channel. And they were talking about the Navy SEALs and the, the just rigorous training that they go through. How they just put their bodies through extreme conditions to make themselves able to handle and focus on the things that they need to do. And in battle, you are more aware and alert. And they go for days without sleep. So that even though they haven't slept for three, four days, their minds are still alert. So that, that if they hear that twig snap, they're, they're there. If someone coughs, they're ready. Their minds are set on alert. And you see, this Christian life is just that. It's set on alert. When the doorbell rings. <laughs> Wonder 
who it is. Uh, we are alert. We are moving in that direction. We are prepared for battle with whatever comes up, with whatever we are faced with. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Is that a powerful scripture? The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. This, this doesn't get advanced by people who toss in the towel. This doesn't get advanced who people take this lightly. It's not going to get advanced except by forceful people who lay hold of it. Who hold on to it and say, I will not let go. I think of Peter's words when others were leaving, you know, when they were no longer following Jesus. Oh, he's talking. I don't get what he has to say, you know, and I'm not going to get fed anymore. Whatever their reasons were. And then he looked at the disciples and says, will you too leave? And Peter says, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Those words are desperate saying, there is only life with you. Anything else is not life. If I let go of you, I let go of life. Do you and I realize that? That this is a battle. And we need to recognize the battle that is taking place between the flesh and the spirit. And we need to be putting it to death constantly, continually. We have to be serious. <clears throat> Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. It would be better to enter into heaven crippled than not get there. Those are serious words. Now, he's not talking about physically because you can sin as easily with your left eye as you can your right eye or your right hand. He is talking about a spiritual battle that needs to be forcefully taken hold of. He's talking about the importance of this. And he's writing this to those who believe. He's writing this to us who call ourselves Christians. Trying to bring clarity about the struggle that we're in. That we would recognize that if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. How do you take life away from these deeds? We need to be very careful here because if we're not careful, we will fall into a form of legalism. Where to put to death the things of the flesh, we have to do certain things. And there's a danger in that because then we it's about no longer the relationship, but it's about the deeds. And we need to be careful that we don't do that. You see, it is by the Spirit, he says there. But if you, by the Spirit, there in verse 14, of God, or where, let me see, if 
you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, in verse 13, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There's one other place where by the Spirit takes place, where Paul uses this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 13. It says, This is what we speak, not in words taught by us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, the things that come from the Spirit of God are foolishness to him. It has to come from the Spirit. And what's he talking about here in Corinthians? He's talking about the word of God. He's talking about the scriptures. When he talks about they're not human wisdom, but words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words, he's talking about scripture. He's talking about God's word, God's declaration, not man's. And so combating the flesh is done by the Spirit by putting into practice and allowing the spiritual truth of the Scriptures to be a part of our lives. Paul said we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, spiritual darkness in high places. It's not a matter of doing and not doing. It's a matter of a spiritual battle that takes place, and it takes place in the spiritual realm. If we're not careful, we will make this some type of legalism. We'll, we'll put to death the flesh, and it'll just relapse into a list of do's and don'ts and what you require. Years ago, my son was at a softball field. I was playing softball at the church. And we were getting ready for the game. We were warming up. And I saw him off playing with some other kids. And I thought, oh, great. He's playing with other kids. How nice. And he was running around. And all of a sudden, I looked. And there was this look of terror on his face. And he came running at me crying. Because he thought these other kids, for some reason, were going to hurt him. And what was his reaction when he saw these kids? Run to dad. because dad's bigger than these kids. Not by much, but a little. And in his battle and in his crisis, his reaction was to get to dad. And you see, in this battle of the flesh, what we need to do is get to dad. How do you get to God? You have to allow his words to come into you. You have to go to the scriptures. You have to read. You have to pray. You have to surrender your heart out to him. Otherwise, what are you doing? Are, are, are you 
going to justify yourself before God, turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you this spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Well, which is it? Is it because you observe the law or is it because you believe what you heard? You see, to battle the flesh isn't just to stop doing things or to start doing things. It is to believe what you have heard. It is to place your faith in Christ. It is to recognize that you are dead, that there is this battle. You are killing the flesh constantly. We talked about that, that momentum of our lives, the memory of our lives, the habits of our lives that we are constantly killing. And are you dealing with it as a battle? Are you recognizing this is serious stuff? You know, it's all fun and games until you think the kids are trying to hurt you and then you got to make it to dad. When it becomes serious, then you get serious. Are we taking it seriously? Are we allowing this Christian life to become complacent? Are we recognizing what Jesus has done for us, that we identify with his death? We are dead to sin. That is not our life. And so it's not a matter of stopping sin. It's a matter of recognizing I am dead to it. I believe what I have heard. It's not just stop, just stop, just stop. It's I'm dead, I'm dead. That is not my life. That is not my identity. The Spirit of God is life. I am being directed in a new way. So it's not just I'm going to stop doing some things. I'm going to start living where I'm supposed to live. And that is in the Spirit. I'm believing what I have heard. And it again, goes back to that relationship and believing what God has said. There's a beautiful psalm, Psalm 84, verse 11. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. God will not withhold anything good from you. Do you believe that? Then trust in him. Surrender to him. Live this life for him. Burn that bridge behind you to the world. You don't go back. No turning back. Jesus said the man who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I only have this life. 
I only have the life that is in front of me. I have been bought with a price. I do not belong to myself. I am to glorify God in my body. This is the life we live. This is what it means to be alive in the spirit and dead to the flesh. I am not that person. You, however, don't live like that. You once were, but you're not anymore. Do you believe that? Is that true? Have you accepted your identity as a follower of Christ? Or are you playing games with it? Because we very easily can. Back in Romans, he tells us, verse 15 for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you receive a spirit of sonship you see under the law the closest relationship you could hope for was that of a servant that was the best you could get if it's about following rules and regulations the best you can do is be a servant and that's not what we are that's not the case any longer. You see, if we didn't receive the Spirit, that's all you can get. But you receive the Spirit of Sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. means Daddy. It's that endearing term. Now, this is a little bit more personal than just saying Father. The Jews were used to saying Father, but they weren't used to saying Abba, Father, Daddy. These are the words that Jesus used in the garden when he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be one. Dad, please. I think it's cute. My wife still calls her dad Poppy. So it's Poppy, and she sounds like she's a little eight-year-old girl still. Now, she can call him Poppy. I don't feel comfortable calling him Poppy. <laughs> hey, Poppy. He'd look at me like, hmm. She's his daughter, has that relationship with. She can call him Poppy, and it's endearing, and it's her relationship with him. God is saying, you can call me Poppy. You can call me Dad. We aren't on that kind of relationship where you're a servant, you can call me daddy. And you see, it all comes back down to that relationship and believing what God has established. Verse 16, it says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. It's important that we recognize that we do share in his suffering as well as share in his glory. That we are now a part of the family. That we are his children. That we are heirs 
co-heirs with Christ. It's important to recognize that Jesus is a son by nature. We are sons and daughters by adoption. He is the heir and he says, come on, you come with me. You are now a co-heir. All the things that belong to me now belong to you. Is that mind-boggling? Is that unbelievable? That the God who created all things, that Jesus, his son, who is holy, perfect, sees us as his children, along with Christ? That he recognizes us in that way? That the things that belong to his son also belong to us? He says there are a couple of things that we need to recognize. We share in his suffering, then we will share in his glory. What was Christ's suffering? Well, we know obviously the cross. Going to the cross was his suffering. But you see, his suffering was taking upon the form of a servant being separated from his father, dealing with the sin of man, being persecuted. Jesus said, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. It was the separation that he's been talking about, about the flesh and the spirit. See, Jesus was walking in this world, but he was not of this world. And so he was subject to the evil just as we are. He is subject to the problems just as we are. We are going to go through suffering. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've taken care of that. You're still going to have to go through it just like I had to go through it, just like they lied about me, just like they persecuted me. They're going to do the same to you. They're going to say all kinds of things about you falsely. They're going to persecute you. Now, we in the United States don't deal with that to the extent that others do. But we do deal with the sinful world around us. We do deal with the pollution of the soul. We do deal with all the things that are impressed upon us. And we have to go through that. And we have to fight against it. We are in that battle. And that's the battle of the flesh and the battle of the spirit. We are going to have to go through it with suffering. You're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to put to death that flesh, constantly be killing it, be killing it. That's part of the suffering. It's part of what we need to bear. It's part of our identity with Jesus. We don't allow the pollution of the world to get into our lives. Even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. I always like the illustration that the boat belongs in the water, but when the water gets in the boat, the boat's in trouble. We are in this world, but when the world gets in us, we're in trouble. But there's no way you're getting out of the world. In fact, Jesus prayed that you wouldn't be. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Until your time when he calls you home. That's why the Psalms could say, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of the saints. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
when this mortality will put on immortality, this corruption put on incorruption. Then will be fulfilled this saying, death, where is your sting? And we'll get to that later on in the chapter. But we need to recognize the battle that we're in, that it is not something that you're going to overcome in the flesh. You're going to overcome the flesh by the Spirit, by drawing near to God, by recognizing what He has said and believing it and living in it, by taking it seriously, by seeing your identity in Him. If you don't see it seriously, if you don't take it seriously, it will not affect your life. But if you believe, I belong to Jesus, I am named with His name, He is my Father, He has paid the price for me, then Paul says, how can you live in sin any longer? Are you going to sin? Yeah, you're going to. Are you going to stumble fall? Yeah, you will. But now there's this grieving. Now there's this desire. I don't want to stay here. I need to move forward. God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. Now there is something in my heart that has changed and makes me want the things of God. You know what I think one of the most powerful things in my Christian walk that took place is when I recognized that I didn't want the things I used to want. When I actually wanted to be different. It was like, when did that happen? How did that happen? That my desires were now in heaven and not in earth. And when God opened my eyes to, for me to see that, do you see that you are now a citizen of heaven? That that's your home, that's what you long for, that's what you're living for? And those things of the flesh, it's like, I don't want that anymore. I don't like that anymore. Even though I struggle with these things, even though I battle with these things, even though I'm trying to live this way, I don't like that. I like this. I want you. When did that happen? How did that happen? It was the work of the Spirit. And if God began that work, He's the one who needs to fulfill that. How is He going to fulfill that? I mean recognizing I belong to him. To recognize that I don't have to fight the flesh. I am dead to the flesh. My identity is with him. It is not, oh, I better stop doing this. No, you are dead to that. It no longer has claim to you. You are not that any longer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, you don't understand. I keep struggling. I, what, are you going to fight the law fulfill this you're gonna stop doing it is that what you need do you recognize jesus died for that you are dead to that do you believe that by faith because this is what it's about by faith by faith in jesus by faith in what he's done by faith i belong to him by faith i am a victor because of what jesus has done i believe that by faith i put my trust wholly on him completely by nothing else. It's not a matter of how good I am. It's a matter of what Jesus has done and what he has made me. It is a spiritual work that is taking place in me. He has given me his spirit. He's written his law in my heart. I am dead to that. I am killing it every day 
but that is not my life. That is not my identity. I am not that person any longer. I am a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because you are heirs with Jesus. And joint, you are joint heirs with Christ. You are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. You have to deal with the sufferings of this world, but you will also share in his glory. That's the good news too. There is hope waiting for us. Amen. Amen for that hope. Well, let's pray. Father, to the natural mind, this is foolish. To put our faith in Jesus and to be changed, it, it, it would seem there has to be more than that. It, it, we have to do certain things, but this is the will of God that we believe on the one that he sent. Lord, that is your will for us is to put our faith in you, to draw near to you, to cry out to you, Abba, Father, to recognize the relationship we have as your children and to recognize that we need to continually put to death that mind of the flesh, that way of life that we no longer belong to. Father, I pray that you would help us to have faith in you and to be victorious to live victorious Christian lives. You've called us to this. We have not been called to, to live lives of defeat. We've been called to live lives of victory. And the only way that victory takes place is if we recognize what you have already done and live by faith in that. Lord, instead of us putting all our energy and trying to stop doing things. Help us to put our energy into developing the spiritual things. Help us to put our energy in you and yielding ourselves to you. And if we live for you, we will no longer fulfill the lusts of this flesh. We will fulfill this life of spirit and living for you. And I pray that you would help us all in this endeavor, Lord, as we battle, as we suffer through this world. Lord, may we recognize our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to you. Lord, we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name.